Hi and welcome to our um, staff devotion on uh, ki- the Kingdom Calling series. Uh, it really, it's a series that um, looks at uh, the concept of church and what we're supposed to be doing as a church. It looks at broadly the Kingdom of God um, and how... Um, radically different the kingdom of God is to the kingdom of this world Um, and in many senses it's meant to bring out how radically different the church is from the rest of this world because we are supposed to be the ambassadors or the foretaste of the kingdom of God we're supposed to be light for the kingdom of God. We're supposed to be proclaiming the kingdom of God. And so a good, um, uh, so, you know, a couple of disclaimers up the front. Um, the series is kind of, um, I think with the series, the timing of the series was more important than the prep for the series. So... I'm completely out of my comfort zone at the moment. Usually a series is prepared six to nine months in advance of it coming out. Um, I think uh, as a senior leadership team, we decided to move the um, the building sort of series earlier on in the year. Um, and then also recraft it around um, getting a vision for, um, so recraft it, ar- to make sure that we knew what we were going into when we came into this place. And so um, so it's kind of all been sped up. I've been trying to power it through the um, SLT and now we're going to be discussing as a staff team. Hopefully we'll film next week and then the material will be written out in the next two weeks. Um, so first off, like this is not normal FGA pipeline. And there's a reason why we do our pipeline. I feel like our regular pipeline um, is uh, highly consultative, um, allows time for you know Holy Spirit to to, to soak and move. But at the same time, um, I think you want to make sure that we are able to move when God calls anytime. And so timing also is crucial. And the reason why I'm doing this thing is because I think you'll find that kingdom always has to have people place and time so the kingdom of God doesn't exist just conceptually in the ether someplace it always involves people there's always a time that's why Jesus keeps saying the kingdom of God is here it's time is now like it there's a time for the kingdom and there's also always a place for the king it it takes place somewhere, not just in the ether. And so, considering all of these types of things, I think we've ended up revising um, this series. Okay, so, still haven't fully landed on the one line um, for the series. Uh, the anchor verse of the series would be Matthew 6.33, I think. Um, it, it, it provides a good overview of the different verses that we're going to be covering over the five series. Um, and it's the classic seek first the kingdom of God um, which, which is fantastic I think and then the one line is 
it's either so probably gonna land on for the cause of the king for the cause of the king mostly because I think that's a paraphrase of as for me and my house we will serve the Lord but I don't know if many people will make that jump but the kingdom calling means that the kingdom is calling the king of the kingdom is calling you and so part of this whole series is hey let's just remember like we live our lives we have a church we have a family um, it's it's for the cause of the king and the kingdom it's as for me at my house we will serve the Lord or in that kind of vein of things um, so the write-up which I'll be typing up today um, kind of goes like this so you know in Acts the church was known as called out once right ecclesia kaleo ek kaleo uh, out uh, is ek and kaleo is called um, so the, in Acts the church was known as the called out ones even though they lived in the culture and um, to Roman rule of their time they understood that they were called out to be something different uh, they were citizens of God's kingdom and just temporary residents uh, of this world and today we're still called for the kingdom of God right a place a people and an environment that operates under God's rule so what does that look like and how will you live out your life how will you live out your kingdom calling that's the writer of this series we want to really look at how are we going to live out our kingdom calling because we are we're called out for something like that that's actually what church if if you see the word church in the Bible it refers to ecclesia it refers to people who are called out that called out of what we're called out of this world we're called out of this environment and this system and whatever else it is to belong to God to be in God's kingdom to um, and so that's I guess uh, the sort of overall summary of the series uh, we're gonna do five sessions on the series um, the five sessions are one kingdom vision and provision so we're gonna talk a lot about having a vision for what the kingdom of God is like like actually working towards something and then provision which means you're providing for the vision provision is providing for the vision that means you're feeding that vision and we're gonna look at Matthew 13 44 for that um, then the second thing we're gonna do so session two and three are broadly the same topic and after it used to be called kingdom culture and life well, I think we're just going to shorten it and tie in with our amazing youth group. And so we'll have two sessions called Kingdom Culture, right? And so session two will be Kingdom Culture in the church. That's, um, that's our corporate as, a, as our church. And then Kingdom Culture, the second one will be in your life at home. That's your personal Kingdom Culture, right? So we wanted to tackle that at sort of um, two levels. And we've got two different verses for that, which I'll cover. And then um, session four, we're going to be looking at kingdom partnership. And so we're going to look at how do we work together as a team 
in the kingdom of God because we all do different things. So each one of us in the kingdom of God have different callings and different roles. And so if you're talking about kingdom calling, we actually have, well, we have one big kingdom calling. We actually have a lot of smaller kingdom callings. And the kingdom of God is brought about by um, all of us working together as one body, as one united, one depending on the other. So we'll be looking at 1 Corinthians 12 um, for that. And then session five is called Kingdom Place. And we're really going to be talking about how um, the kingdom of God is not just ethereal. It lands in a place. Um, yeah, and then we're really going to be talking about that kind of... Um, I, I want to spend some time balancing out the tension between the church building is not the actual temple of God and where God actually is, but it's also not nothing. That, that every part of us needs to set aside <coughs> things for God, consecrate things for God. And so, um, we're going to try and tackle that balance. But the kingdom, very, very much associated with a place. Um, and you see that all through the Old Testament. Um, even. Okay, great. So let's uh, begin. I'm going to do this really quick. So, uh, and I'm just going to sort of do highlights so that we can talk sort of at a higher level about um, some of the things. Okay. Okay, let's um, Okay, so session one is kingdom vision and provision. Um, the anchor verse, I think a great way to begin this series is by Jesus' own parables of how he describes the kingdom of God. Um, and what I like about what Jesus does with the kingdom of God is you'll never find anywhere in the Bible, and especially in Jesus' teaching, where he'll go, here is one sentence about the kingdom of God. That's not a mysterious parable. He doesn't have a, a Oxford Dictionary definition of the kingdom of God, right? Like, we will give you some, but Jesus never does that. And part of the reason why he doesn't do that is because the kingdom of God is actually bigger, deeper, more expansive, and applied in so many more different areas can, than you can even hope to imagine or describe in one, par one paragraph. I think and so um, so I think a good way to think about it is imagine Japan like Japan's a kingdom right can you describe Japan in one sentence I put it to you that whatever your description of Japan is in one sentence it's not the same as you living there being born in that country growing up and having multiple generations of people in Japan and then you are like hey I'm Japanese I know what it is like to be in the kingdom of Japan so I think the kingdom of God is a little bit like that you've got to understand that it's a little bit like that that whatever you try to like if we try to describe Philippines and Filipino right like you just gonna end up with music food or family or something like that dance, dance or whatever, right you're gonna, but it's going to be such a small subset of what the kingdom of Philippines is like. And I think when you describe what is it like to be under the rule of God, that kingdom in, 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 a, in a very simple sentence 
is God's rule, right? Where kingdom is the place where God is king, okay? Like, um, if, you, if you want, uh, like Pastor Ron gave that definition a few weeks ago, I, it's spot on, right? But what is it like to be in a place that, where God is king? Like, what does that look like? Oh my goodness, that's going to take you a lifetime to figure out. You're going to have to grow up in that place. In fact, Jesus almost says, you're going to have to be born into that place. You almost have to be born again. Not born into this world, but then born into that kingdom. You're going to spend your life living that kind of thing. And so, uh, so Jesus, he, he does this thing where he tells parables so that you get a word picture, you get a mental image that takes you into what the kingdom of God is like. And so we're going to do that Matthew 13, 44. And it's, it's very simple, so short, but it's amazing. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and then covered up. Then, and these are really important words, then in his joy, he goes out and sells all that he has and buys that field in his joy. Because he feels, knows, that he has found the most amazing treasure. But it doesn't belong, it doesn't belong to him. He just found it in that land. So he goes off, and instead of just being dishonest about it and whatever else it is, he goes, you know what? I have a vision for I have a vision for what I'm gonna do with this amazing treasure. Now I'm gonna acquire it. Right? He he's gonna invest. He's gonna the, the reason why this parable is told in this particular way is actually there is a cost to this guy. Like I, the, the kingdom of God comes at a cost. It comes at a cost of you're giving up your own kingdom. So whatever he previously had, like I don't know if you get it from this passage, but whatever this guy previously had, all the things that he thought was on his kingdom and whatever, all that... He was, he gives up for what is new. Right? And Jesus explains that many times. You'll be born again. In order to live, you must die. Like, unless a seed comes into the ground and dies, it doesn't grow. Like, oh my goodness, Jesus goes again and again and again that the kingdom of God, or us as a church, ek kaleo, called out ones, there is an incompatibility. You cannot serve two masters at once. Like, oh my goodness, go through the New Testament. There is an incompatibility between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. So that's, I think, one of the, the first kind of things you must understand is we need to get a vision for what this kingdom of God looks like. What does Japan or Philippines look like? What is it to be under the rule of the Filipino Duterte? <laughs> you know, uh, or, <laughs> yeah, because we went to a barangay and their captain disappeared. And nobody has heard from him for a year. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a real oh, one. Yeah. Oh, he's actually gone. I thought well, he just he's still the captain. I thought he just nobody has seen him for a year. Yeah. Nobody has seen him for a year. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So we know what the kingdom can be like, you know. But what's so? Do you have a vision? Do you have a vision for what the kingdom of God looks like, right? And so you know, in Luke eight one. Um, uh, the gospel is very closely linked to the kingdom of God, right? So in Luke 8, 1, it says that Jesus went 
on through cities and villages proclaiming and bringing the good news good news you can get on which is the gospel right so proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God that's what we are um, I think that's what we're on about uh, one historian talks about Christians as um, so uh, Ecclesia is a body of Christians called out from the Roman and Judean system to come together into a separate civil community that's what historians would describe when they read the book of, like secular historians would describe when they read the book of Acts that they are actually became they lived differently they had different values they had a different culture they had a different vision of what they were meant to be like and I think that's our huge potential as a church that we get to see ourselves and go hey we can be different we're called out we're called to be different the kingdom calling in our lives is to live a different life that so then we could be a, how FGA is going to implement our kingdom calling is through household of faith right so we can be a multi-generational household of faith that is faithful to the mission we're active and personally involved we're intimate relational we're teachable unlike other people when we're holy we're set apart for God's purposes like those are the markers for us anyway of what it's like to be different than just the whole world right um, so I think at, at one level session one is to say hey <coughs> Do you have a kingdom vision for your life, for your family? Do you see your family as our family? We're called out. We're not a regular, normal Box Hill family. We are called out. You know, in the, in the era where Jesus was um, telling these parables, actually, um, uh, the whole parable discussion kicks off with uh, a discussion on the Sabbath I don't know if you know this but the, the Pharisees they, they query Jesus about the Sabbath like, which is the, like the Lord's Day right and the point of the Sabbath it was for joy so the Sabbath was created so that we would rest from work that we would be able to spend time with God, our Creator. That we would be able to refuel, recharge. That we would stop whatever toil, because you know, because of the curse, work had uh, toil and pain, whatever, right? And so we would then rest and enjoy. That's what Sabbath, Sabbath, Shabbat was like a, a peace time place. But what had happened at Jesus' time was the Pharisees had then put so many laws and rules about the Sabbath to make sure that people would be resting and they would do all this, right? So you can't use the lift, you can't, you can't, you know, take a taxi, you can't, like, use electricity. It was like a whole bunch of, all these kinds of things just came around on the Sabbath, right? And then, all the joy got sucked out of the Sabbath. And it became just something that you have to do. And I, I, I think that Sometimes for us, when we think church, or even when we think kingdom of God, or, or, or you know, like when we come and build this place, or, or a youth group, or we think youth group, or we think our family is a kid, we just think 
chores. We just think, oh my goodness, I'm on duty next Sunday. Oh, I'm going to go meet a whole bunch of people. Oh, I better tell people about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, like I've got to, <laughs> you know, do you know what I mean? Like sometimes all the joy gets kind of sucked out of it. And that was never the point of the kingdom. That's why Jesus then kicks off. He goes from that discussion of Sabbath. He goes into a conversation about soil. Right? So he goes, Sabbath. And he goes, parable of the sower and the seeds. And he basically says, hold on. Your heart environment is so important. Otherwise, you're never going to get the kingdom. Your heart environment, the soil that it all, your orientation, how it all sits in with you is so important. Otherwise, you're never going to care. Like, you'll never understand Philippines if in your heart of hearts you don't already kind of like Philippines. If you're not going to Philippines for joy, like, because you're just gonna find a whole bunch of really terrible things about Philippines, and you know, you're gonna start off really bad. And Jesus is saying, unless you're receptive soil for the seed of the king, that's what the parable of the sower is, right? It's never gonna blossom in you. And then he goes on from parable to parable to parable, and he gets to this one, and it is for joy. That means a person willingly chooses to give up his old kingdom and quite because he sees the beauty and the wonder and the treasure of God's kingdom and I think if we as a church or you as a person don't capture a glimpse of the amazing treasure or the amazing wonder it is to have God as your king now if you if you think it's just rules and it's just like whatever oh my goodness forget it keep your own treasure don't sell it for the kingdom. But the kingdom of God is these guys who actually have a vision. They can see it. They know. Un- That's why it's always like buried or hidden. Like the pearl is hidden. The tr- is it. Because they know it's there. They- but it's hidden. And so they acquire the field. Right? And I think that is similar for us here. We have the- this potential to live out the kingdom of God here in Box Hill. To be a living, breathing people, time, and place that people can come and see and interact and get a glimpse of what it's like to live in Japan or Philippines or to be in the kingdom of God. That's, that's the vision. But then in this passage as well, you see provision for the vision. That means in order for the vision to come to pass, you've got to sow into it. That means in your own family, in your home life, if you want your kids or your wife and or yourself to have God as the king and to be first in his in your in every aspect of your life, you've got to invest something into it. You've got to spend time opening up the Bible. You've got to talk about God. You your some of your money needs to go there. Your time needs to go there. Your resources need to go into developing that vision in your in your, in your family. Right? Just like if, if in our family we have a vision of Nikki being an amazing fencer, oh my goodness, that's a great vision, but without the provision, <laughs> nothing's going to happen. If he doesn't invest anything into it, that vision's never going to pass. Um, uh, what, uh, uh, in my research, I, I came across that. Did you know the original meaning of the word administration is to add to the mission? Administration is add to the mission. 
which is fantastic. It's amazing because to bring a mission or to bring that vision to pass, it's not just the rah, rah, rah hype person up the front. It's going to take people to do the administration. It's going to take a building with some equipment. It's going to actually take somebody to set up some stuff. You're going to have to invite some. Like, there's a whole range of things that come hand in hand with wanting a vision to come to pass, right? And, and that's, that doesn't even matter whether we're talking about the church or not. Let's, let's just even talk about your own family life. You want to be an amazing, I don't know, accountant, dancer, uh, fencer, whatever else it is, right? It's going to take some provision. <laughs> some administration it's gonna it's gonna take you're gonna have to add to that mission in some way and so I think that's this first session I wanted to sort of begin this piece to go it's great for FGA to have an amazing vision but are we going to sell all we have and put it into that vision and um, you know like when I do the sermon so I've been preparing for my sermon um, so Session one's probably more fleshed out than all the other sessions, right? <laughs> right? But um, uh, when I do this, I'm actually going to be talking about the story of Pastor Roland and our church and our family because, in a lot of ways, there's a bunch of people at FGA we've almost staked our lives on the kingdom of God. Like, and not just the ethereal kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God as it's going to be implemented by this household of faith. Some of you guys are staking your career on it right now. Like, there's some of us, like, uh, you know, we just did um, your grandfather's funeral. Like, he lived out his days in this implementation of the kingdom. So, you're, the, the thing is, we're going to stake our lives on something anyway. You're going to invest your life in something. It's going to either be in those old treasures or it's going to be in a new treasure. That's why I like this. Like, this guy, in his joy, he goes off and he sells. And so I think a key element is, is there joy? Have you got joy in the kingdom of God? Because in our next session, we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and <coughs> joy. And I think joy has to be a key element for the kingdom of God. Because the last thing we want is a whole bunch of people just grinding through doing church doing the stuff of church and they haven't got a vision for why they're doing it it's not propelled by joy they don't see the immense treasure that is in there if you don't see that immense treasure you're not in the kingdom of God you haven't caught the kingdom of God yeah alright so that's session one okay then all the other sessions are really short okay so uh, session two we're gonna go with uh, let me go to New Greek reading. Um, we're gonna go to Romans, um, which is a really short verse, but we're gonna talk about kingdom culture. And so, so that first session, it's all well and good, but again, it sounds so ethereal, right? Like nobody, like I'm talking about Japan and Philippines and whatever it is, but we haven't gotten to any specifics. So how are we specifically different from the world? Right? And so that's how we will then go into sort of kingdom culture. Um, now, every one of our sessions actually ties into what we're doing with our building. 
right? Because part of what we're doing with our building is we're implementing our vision for the kingdom. Part of it is it's putting like legs onto this thing. So, kingdom culture. Um, so, uh, Romans 14 17 goes, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Because sometimes we might think that all we do is have sure? fellowship and eat and drink. Are you sure? I, I checked the translation. <laughs> Check the Greek. Yeah, that word not is definitely there. <laughs> In fact, um, uh, not is the first word in that verse. Uga estin he basilia totheo basoes. Not, therefore, is the kingdom of God eating and drinking. <laughs> so, there is clearly an emphasis on the word not. Anyway. <laughs> so, so it's really cool because this passage so you got to bear in mind the New Testament is continually trying to give you an image of what the kingdom of God is like right so this is what it's like to live in Japan this is what it's like to live in Japan this is what it's not like <laughs> right so this begins with a not it's not just eating and drinking but it is Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Alright, or in the Holy Ghost. Okay, what is you have it, to understand. Uh, eating and drinking, or is it meat and drink? Because the, the, the King James says it's not meat and, and drink. But another translation to eating and drink. Yeah, right. yeah because it is. Um, it is uh it's not in the food in itself it's the act of partaking of food oh, really? so yeah because it's a uh, uh bro says so um so you could say drink so you could say meat and drink or you could say eating and drinking it um, it's ambiguous. Right. Some translation for food. Yes, yeah, so it's that's right. That's right. So it's um, it's ambiguous because it's just the way. Uh, it's hard to explain. It's like uh, anyway, it could be used either. Okay. But broadly, it's intended to say that the. Um, the whole passage, so if you look at that whole passage, you're fighting about food, right? So if you look at the whole of Romans 14, right? It is like, um, what things are clean and unclean to eat, yeah. and then don't stumble somebody else yeah. because we eat it or whatever, right? So the context of what is being said is, yeah. right? Don't worry about, were you on duty, not on duty? Should we use this sound system or this other sound system? Should we go like, you know, should we have a combined youth meeting or not have a combined youth meeting? Let's not worry about those things. What's more important is, is there righteousness, peace, and joy? Because those are the markers of the kingdom of God. That's the, I think that's the, that's the more important thing. So because sometimes when we get into the detailed discussion about the culture, 
the kingdom culture, we all get caught up with all of the eating and drinking type things. Like, oh my goodness, the fried chicken was not fried enough. Oh my goodness, how come you were 10 minutes late for the, the meeting? Uh, how come the OHP thing didn't slide through in the correct way or whatever else it is, right? Um, I think what this is trying to say is the kingdom of God is not in the mechanics. It's not in the, the, br- the bread and butter of stuff. But the kingdom of God sits. You have to test it for the fruit. So you have to see, is it producing peace, joy, and righteousness? Are those things coming out? So it means, this, is the church standing up for what is right? Is there peace in the church? And is it a place of joy? Those are the kinds of things we have to start asking ourselves. And I would say not, I mean, this one is about the church, right? So we're going to spend this whole session talking about church. But the next session is about, is your life and your family that way as well? There needs to be in our church, if we are wanting to get a vision for the kingdom, if we're getting a call for the kingdom, we as a church must go, we are really concerned, more concerned than the menu for next week's food sales. We are really concerned about righteousness. So much so that I'll have that awkward discussion with you about how you're living your life and what we're we're, we're doing. Because the kingdom of God is concerned with righteousness. Then I'm so concerned with peace that we will reach out and connect so as to not stumble, uh, you know, because we're so concerned about peace. But we're also always watching our joy level so that I'm not going to work and serve to a place where all the joy is rubbed out of me and I just gonna grind it through and whatever else it is, right? But it also means that I'm catching myself with some of the negative things that I might say about God's church and some of the leaders and some of the ministries and, and how I view like I'm like the and if you're pursuing the kingdom of God, you're pursuing righteousness, peace and joy. Those things are important to you. Yes. Because they're important to the kingdom. That's what it's like to live in um, Philippines or in Japan or the kingdom of God. That's what we're trying to say, right? Um, and so I thought, so Jonathan Mock is coming down. He's talking a little bit about that, but we'll, we'll discuss this in the, in the home group series. But we wanted to have a little chat about church culture. Right? And how the, we're going to, be a little bit different from normal culture. Then session three is kingdom culture at home. And um, while that's building on Romans 14, 17, we're going to look at Ephesians 2, 19. And uh, I like this because it goes, So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Part of the description of the kingdom of God is as a household of God. It's relational. The kingdom of God is a highly relational concept. And it's this concept of you are now... Okay, yeah, uh, yeah, reality. Yeah, it's a it's a relational reality. 
That's right. Yeah, concept's not a good, not a good way. Um, yeah. So this passage in two. 19 Ephesians 2 19 says we're no longer strangers and aliens but we're fellow citizens so I think one of the things you have to decide about your home and your house and and if you're single um, then just for yourself then right in your own sphere do you see yourself as a, a citizen of Australia or a citizen of the kingdom of God because, and what was really unique about um, the early church was they saw themselves first and foremost as citizens of the kingdom of heaven. But it led to them being fantastic citizens of Rome. So they would pay their taxes. They would abide by the laws. They would endure persecution and not revolt and, and kill the... Uh, you know, they, they overturned their nation um, not through force, right? So, I think um, in our discussion of what is our sort of kingdom culture at home, I think uh, sorry, sorry, I, I missed that. So, in the kingdom culture for the church, right? I think um, uh, so I'm missing the link to the building. So, in session two, the reason we can say we want to have righteousness, peace, and joy in our church, right? Um, but if there is um, no place, if there, yeah, it just plugs in there. If there is no place for that to occur, for people to see it, for people to come or to engage with it, right? Then um, it's just an ethereal concept. Now, of course, kingdom culture's place can be your house. Definitely. It can be your house. And I, I hope that kingdom culture is your house and that you think about how you build your house so you don't build it so there's like 50 breakable things all over the place and you never invite anybody into your home, right? You, you think about the fact that your home is not full of satanic images all over the place so that when you go in, there's not, it doesn't edify the kingdom of God, there's porn all over the, whatever, right? Like, oh my goodness, you're thinking about how your house reflects kingdom culture, right? Because it needs a place. Similarly, we're going to be thinking about how does our church place reflect kingdom culture. So it needs to be a place where righteousness, peace, and joy can be evidenced. And that's what we're investing really in. Uh, for a lot of people, this place is going to be a place where if they've got nobody to talk to, they can come in here. We're hoping that it's a place of joy for our high school that they can come in and and maybe their home is a, not a peaceful, joyous place. And they might come here and just hang. And they might get to meet some of our leaders. The retirees may be able to come in. After church service, we might have eating and drinking, which is not the kingdom of God. But, you know, and then it becomes this place, right, where there is peace and joy, right? Um, it might be a place 
where we're standing for righteousness, where the where we will be praying for our nation, where we will be kicking like so we need to think about the place as it reflects the culture. And so session three, I think also we need to think about our home and how our home reflects the culture of God. Not in, in, in the things that we do. Um, so I think a good teaching through this whole series is kingdom of God requires a people, place, and time. Because in your home, there needs to be time for the kingdom of God. That we can't just talk about the kingdom of God and zero time is expended. It, you can't just talk about the kingdom of God and there is no place for the kingdom of God. So uh, what I'll hopefully challenge people in um, session two is that we would have our church as a place for kingdom culture. So that even if your home or even your whole life doesn't fully reflect it, at least you can come to church and we will try to model kingdom culture. We, we will never get it perfectly, but we're, we're aiming that way. So you can take things back to your home. You can go, oh, oh, I, I see that and I can now implement my home, right? But then in session three, we're going to be talking about why don't you make, why don't you pick your home as a place? For kingdom culture too. Like if it's just you, husband and wife, one of the two of you sit down and go, hey, why don't we make our home a place for the kingdom? So that when we ever invite people over to our home, they, we're inviting them into So that kind of a thing. So you're having a chat with your children, you're having a chat with your husband and wife, whatever it is, right? Now I fully understand. And so I think this must be said because we have so many mixed families in our church and so when you talk about kingdom culture in the home in particular so it's less of an issue when we talk about it in the church because obviously the church building will be set aside for kingdom cut like <laughs> with kingdom culture right um, but in the home if you're married to a non-christian husband or your children <laughs> have gone away from the faith right how do you have um, like do you just impose kingdom culture? You're like, are you really? And I think you've got to be really, really careful at how kingdom culture is implemented. So a good, so I was thinking of having a little bit of a discussion in that section on a wise way to implement kingdom culture. So you look at Jesus. Jesus implemented kingdom culture in an era where there was no kingdom culture. That means even in his home, which is the temple and the religious people of the day, they didn't have kingdom culture. Uh, in the society, they didn't have kingdom culture. So what he did was, he lived out himself kingdom culture, but he also always talked about kingdom culture. Invitationally. Invitationally. So you always see Jesus, he lived and breathed kingdom culture. He scolded too, kingdom culture. Oh, he, he definitely, people. definitely, definitely he scolded. thought they were living kingdom culture and they That's weren't. right, exactly. But Are I think... getting scolding from you? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. So I think um, because the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace and joy, right? You have to understand that that doesn't mean peace is not the absence of conflict. Like, peace doesn't mean you just give in to everybody to preserve the peace. Uh, that's why righteousness is in there. That's why you see whenever Jesus talks, it's like, 
truth in love. Uh, there's always like, there has to be some element of truth. There has to be some element of righteousness. There is the role for the prophetic. There is the role for the... Um, so what we're... I've got to be careful because I'm not saying that you have to be this Christian parent that always tiptoes around your ungodly children and you can never bring up anything and you've got to be, oh, you know, I might offend them and oh my goodness, like, it's okay. But what you're doing is you live out kingdom culture and you always talk about kingdom culture invitationally. And maybe that's a little bit vague. But one good way to do it is testimonies, sharing, and it just comes up in conversation. Like I've seen that, so that kingdom culture pervades through, not um, gets imposed on. Kingdom culture was never imposed on. If you read the parables of Jesus, the kingdom was always something you pursue or you seek or you find. So it goes, seek, ask, knock, and you will find. That's why the other tagline I was thinking of was seek. Right? Because, um, you know, I had the word seek in there because so much, you can't get the kingdom if you're not oriented or looking to for it. You, just, you can't. So part of your role in developing the kingdom culture in your home is building that orientation. Anyway, might sound a little bit nebulous. So actually, I was hoping that the, for the most part of this kingdom culture discussion, I might actually just talk about things we do in the home that is different from... I think you need to elsewhere. be careful. It's not just outward action. Yes. So the message that I'm getting from you now, it's all about what we do, what we say, whatever. It's yes. got to be the orientation towards God and walking with the Lord in obedience with the Holy Spirit. Yes. That's what produces the fruit of righteousness, peace and joy. So for people, it's going to look very different. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, um, so, what... So the reason why it's a little bit heavier on the behavioral side, because um, everything needs to be the balance of the two, right, is that we're currently now dealing with a modern church whose behavioral side, the markers of the culture, the markers of the kingdom, look very similar to the world. So like in Acts, behaviorally, they were very different. Like, you could tell a called-out person in Acts from a Roman citizen. You could, you could tell the two. It's harder to do so in today's day and age with a modern Christian. Because? Yeah. Because so much of modern Christianity, um, no, post-modern Christianity, right, has been the emphasis away from behavior and away from place. So, oh, great, great, don't worry about the place, don't worry about the place, you can wherever, right? And so we don't worry about places. <laughs> or don't worry about the behavior. It's the, inner, it's the inner disposition of your heart. It's your, right? So now we've got a whole bunch of people, I, I kid you not, I sit down with them, and they say they're praying to God, they say they're hearing, but their life is lived out, nothing, because God, yeah, there's no fruit, because God for them, 
is just a it's just a projection of whatever their heart really wants so then when they sit down and pray to God God gives them the boyfriend they want when they sit down when, they say, when, we, when we say to people hey spend some time really That's praying about it sorry <laughs> no 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 I, I guess it's like no, it's um, they think it's him. Oh. It's yeah. Like them yeah, it's like Mike's sermon. What they think of God is not actually who God is. And so part of describing who God is means that we have to put it into tangible things. What does righteousness look like? Well, righteousness actually doesn't look like um, killing babies. Righteousness doesn't look like there's a whole range of things that righteousness does not look like. Yeah. But because of the sway in postmodernism to a, a heart orientation, right, we now deal with real... So you're saying that the level of perception is too high. It's too yeah. high. Yes, exactly. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. That if, I, if we were to say to... To the congregation, hey, seek God for yourself and just like whatever God tells yeah. you, like just go with it. They don't know the Bible well enough. Yeah, it's true. Do they know their Bible? Because they don't. So God could be telling them all kinds of things contrary to what the scripture is saying. So it's not righteousness, but they're like, it's. They think they are, they which think, is even it's a form of righteousness. Yeah. So you're better off oh saying, I think, yeah, you're better off sort of saying. And, and we've got good precedent for this Hello? because. Paul in oh, the New Testament and Peter a lot, about a lot about behavior. In fact, so much of his behavior talking in the New Testament falls under the, depending on how you want to interpret scripture, but so much of what Paul's behavior instruction are, are limited to the culture and the time and the audience that he's talking to. So that it doesn't really apply to us today. Like wearing of hats. And the, the, like, there's just a, a, a range of things that, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm serious. He goes straight into behavior. He's not like, oh, seek God and whatever you think. If you want to wear a hat, you can wear a hat. Don't wear a hat, whatever. It's like, have no head gear or whatever. Head covering. Head covering. Yeah, exactly. Right? Because he was dealing with an issue at the, at the time. So we've got actually really good biblical precedence for in a church sermon or in church teaching to say look I take it from somebody who has studied the Bible and has Christian maturity and has counsel of the wise right here are some markers behavioral markers of kingdom culture now you should still seek the Lord is it right but let's point ourselves broadly in the right direction and Paul does that so that's, I think, where we're going to land with session three, is we're going to start talking about some of these things in, 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 the, in the home. But I think they include things like, you can't have kingdom culture if you're not having any quiet time with God. Like, I don't know, if you've clocked in more Facebook time than God time, like that's not... not great you know like, I think we could just talk about like in t things so I think 
there needs to be an intentionality about the kingdom of God. So you, you're intentionally building culture. Yeah. Um, similarly, with this building that we're doing, we're intentionally building this building. There, there's a purpose for this building. It's kingdom purpose. I guess it's like nowadays uh, we do good works. Uh, I mean, Christian service. Mm-hmm. Um, like, well, you know, community work and all that. And but the non-Christians and ungodly people are doing as much now. Sure. And so it's not uniquely Christian. Yes. And so, um, if if we don't preach the gospel, yeah, but just do good works, then we are no different from the world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there has to be a clearer delineation. Exactly. Yes. That's right. So the one of the key questions we're going to be asking is, so what is different? between your home so a home in the kingdom of God versus a normal other home and we're I'm actually hoping that people would sit down and and write a list in our home these are things that we do differently yeah I mean honestly one of the things is 10% of everything I have goes into God's kingdom I don't think your neighbor, who's not a Christian, is doing that. Like, I don't think they're doing that. But we know, only 50% of FGA is doing that. Like, there are certain markers, I'm convinced, that if you were really in the kingdom of God, you could say, this is what's different about my culture versus the world's culture. I will not sleep with my girlfriend until we get married like you can say that's behavior but it's quite biblically grounded and it's quite you know like I think you just have to have I don't think we want to be legalistic about it so like we've got to it's this fine balance I guess right because it's got to be done out of joy no no no. you talk about like it's more like a spiritual righteous Spiritual check or whatever. No, yeah. That's all, that's yeah. All good. Yeah. So I think because we began with kingdom vision and then it is for joy, right? So what you have to see is you're doing all these things that are different from the world because you actually feel like this is the greater treasure. Good this job. is this is going to produce the better result. So I would trade all of whatever it is and get this. Um, okay, so anyway, so that's kingdom culture in the home. Then session four, we're going to be looking at kingdom partnership. And so we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. And that talks about the whole body. And uh, the reason why I like that is we need to have some time where we talk about different people. Kingdom calling is slightly different for everybody, right? Um, and in particular, I'm going to be talking, so 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the weaker parts. Like the weaker parts uh, are, are more valued, right? And I think we need to spend some time in church honoring the things that go on behind the scenes. So that your covered up 
you think of your private parts or whatever it is i'm sure that's what's being alluded to in the in in the verse right like they're more delicate the more delicate uh, uh parts are pretty pretty crucial hole in there right um similarly in our church we have to honor like the things that are just behind the scenes or undergirding don't and, tell the joke that uh, don't say it like pastor david go does it but how does he do it he was in indonesia yeah and pastor david goes english is not very good yeah he tells them god is very interested in all of you especially your private parts <laughs> it means private lives <laughs> <laughs> so the interpreter got stuck. Didn't know how to how to interpret. That's really bad. Well, actually, that exact passage, I think, if you read the Greek, it implies your private parts. It does. It actually implies your, and it's so saying that more honor, yeah, <laughs> that more honor is due to the. Anyway. Um, and honestly, I think church building is like one of those things. It is the, the infrastructure of what gets put in place to support how we do ladies' ministry and how we do um, kids' ministry or, 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 or conversational English or youth ministry or, or, or even our services, how we bring about all of those things. What you don't hear about, what you don't see is... The technology that sits behind it and undergirds it, right? The space or the, the, the kitchen equipment that goes in. All of these things are almost like the hidden parts of what makes us able to preach a message or, or, or reach out to our friends to, in an envir- in, uh, environment. It even goes one step further because there's people involved with each of these things too. So it's the guy who uses the kitchen equipment to cook the meal behind the thing, right? So you think about that. How do we honor this? How do we honor this cook? Who's, do we give him crappy equipment and then he has to then go and work double time in his own home with his own staff? And no, we honor the hidden cook or the OHP guy or the sound, the, the worship. We honor them by at least providing them with good environment and equipment to do the thing that they are there to do. That's, I think, one of the reasons why we want to talk about Kingdom Partnership is that we want to support. Kingdom Partnership is about supporting all of the behind the scene things that go on that make our church have the culture it has. Yep. Okay, then five, we would land everything on kingdom place. Kingdom place. And this is probably the trickiest one. Um, Do we have a scripture for the partnership one? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31. So, hopefully by the time we get to kingdom place, they would have heard me say multiple times that the kingdom of God always has a place, a time, and a people. A people, place, a time. That means someone 
at some time in some place. Whether that was Israel and the nation of Israel in, that, in the Old Testament time, whether that was Jesus in his, in his neighborhood uh, in his time, or whether it is us in this place in this time. But the kingdom of God always needs to be located in reality. Right? So then we talk about, like, uh, so we look at verses like 1 Peter uh, 2, 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by man, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices to God. Great. Why is building language used? Because the kingdom always needs a place. Now, I think we've got to be really theologically correct because you um, will catch in... Um, what's that? There's a passage. Is it two... Chronicles 17. The temple dedication. Um, the there's this passage where it says that um, uh, God doesn't dwell in like buildings. Yep, 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 yep. Yep. So I think we have to be really, um, so while the kingdom of God always has a place and a people and a time, right? We must, when we're teaching this, we must be clear that the church building itself, the church building in and of itself is not, um, God's dwelling place. Okay. Acts Even 1724. That's the one. That's the one. Great. I knew it was in the book of Acts as well. I remember that. And also Acts 748. Oh, there it is. Acts 7, 748. I wrote that one. Acts 748. And 1724. Okay, good. Um, so... Um, so it's okay like just cause the church building is not the actual physical location of the presence of God right doesn't mean it's nothing okay no Beca I think there is that general presence mm -hmm. and that there is the specific presence the Shekinah glory and God chose at a, a period of time where he extended his special presence in the in the Ark of the Covenant. Oh, absolutely. You know? But now that special yeah. presence is in us. Yes. yes. But when we gather in That's the right. place, That's right. there is that special presence. Yes, when yes, we, yes. When we assemble together, not exactly. forget, forget. And so we need the place. We do, we yeah. do. We absolutely need the place. That's what that's where I'm getting to. It's just like for example, yeah. a lot of people believe in the the body of Christ. I'm part of the body of Christ. Yes. 
but we also need to be part of the local body and a lot of people use that as an excuse that I'm part of the general body of Christ oh yeah I don't I'm always gathering with Christians anyway but they are not yeah part of, of the local local exactly. specific that's right so that's where I'm going that's where I'm going but we must I think because if you just go straight there yeah. then you're gonna lose a lot of people who know verses like okay let's look at second chronicles 7 15 right um because this is the consecration of solomon's temple right which i think this gets a really good balance it's a good for me this is like of all the passages i've researched and, and looked at this gets the balance really great it's the so solomon Solomon is like, temple's done, let's rock and roll. So in 11, it goes, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord, the king's house. So it's a place. And all the Solomon had planned to do successfully accomplished, verse 11, right? Da, 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 da. Then it's got the famous verse that goes, You know, if, if, if my people who call by name will humble themselves, right? Then I will hear your voice, right? Then you get to uh, verse 15. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that are made in this place. This place, the temple. For now I have chosen and consecrated this house, this place, that my name may be there forever. So firstly, you see that there is a place. But here is the really great nuance about it. Because in verse 19... It says, But if you turn aside and you forsake my statutes and my commandments that I've set before you, and you serve other gods and you worship, I'll pluck you up from my land that I've given you. And this house that I've consecrated for now, I'll cast you out of my sight. And everybody who looks at this house will basically say, Oh my goodness, why has the Lord left this place? And why is it like so useless? Is the paraphrase of this. Right? So, this building, if we as people of God in the kingdom of God serve God in this building it can be amazing it can be a place that people look at and know and see God is alive and well in there but if we in this place forsake God if we the people forsake God then this place much like the temple much like also goes God's presence goes away from it so the actual building like there are so many churches in Melbourne. Oh my goodness, they're using for taekwondo classes and I don't know line dancing, whatever the thing is, right? Bingo. Okay, <laughs> bingo. Okay, very careful with the examples. <laughs> but you know what I mean, like. Oh, bingo. Yeah, but so. Then to bingo so exactly so. Churches. We have to be realistic. The physical bricks of this place is not where the presence of God is. But then that's where I think we go into this. When God's people are gathered together, so then when His people pick a time and a place, then the kingdom of God is there, right? And so then if we, and I, we can look around, do we all want to respond to God's calling? Are we all His children? Yes, we are. So great. When we gather together, right? This place, we can then 
we can bring to pass what's in Second Chronicles. That's if my people come together, they humble themselves, and then they... If we do that, then God's presence and His glory and His blessings on this place. But we've got to watch it. And then we go to Hebrews 10, 25, which then says, hey, let's not forget the assembling together. Then let's be, let's make this place. So part of the call for kingdom places, let's make this place. Let's make this place a place that shines for God's glory. I guess there, there are places which are oppressive, mm-hmm. where demons dwell, and there are places where there's an open heaven, yeah. a portal, where God's uh, presence and uh, angels, angels are there. And so we can create a portal, we can create a, a, a space. Mm. Like, if you go to certain countries, you can just feel the oppression the, the sure. moment you come out of the plane, you know. Yes. Uh, especially, I think, in the Middle East kind of places. Sure. I mean, we don't mention that, but if you go to certain countries that I've been to, the moment you come out of the plane, you already feel oppressed, the oppression. Yes. So, if we come here to praise the Lord and to worship Him, there is That's right. the atmosphere That's of right. God. Because how do you make a place... A kingdom place. Yeah. How do you make? Because even in the Middle East, yeah. there can be kingdom places. Exactly. Right. Yeah. How? It's the people of God. The people, the people of God, using some time in a place. Yeah. Right. Consecrating it to God. That's how a place becomes a kingdom place. So how do we make this place a kingdom place? We have to have our hearts right. We have to gather at this place. Like, so. Yeah, I, I mean, I fully agree with what you're saying because there are some places that are oppressive, but how do they become that way? Yeah, yeah. Right? And then even in an oppressive... Like haunted houses. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, take some orphan child, help her to kill her parents or whatever, and then maybe, you know, it's a terrible place, right? But um, how does a place become a kingdom place? How does, even in an oppressed nation, how do you get pockets <coughs> of God's presence in a, a broadly oppressive country? It's when his people humble themselves. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land. That's why I really like this verse. It's got a great nuance because if you read further from this verse, it says, but if, you, if your culture, your kingdom culture turns away, and you go after other gods and you just do all this sort of things, then I'll pluck you from the land, this place will be desecrated, all right. Great. So what makes a kingdom place a kingdom place? That's what I think we're gonna try and Yep. And so I think what we're trying to do with Lexton is we're trying to consecrate it for God. It means we're giving our best to this place not just in terms of bricks and mortar, but in our time and energy. And we are trying to set it up as a beacon for the presence. We're trying to set it up as a place where kids can come and find righteousness, peace and joy. Yeah. Um, then, so that's broadly 
the, and then you know like we do some verses about how people did provision for the vision so they would bring their gold and silver but they also bring their talents and then that we all contribute in to this place yeah that's why a lot of places in their plaque or for God's glory like I, and hope that this place it's for the glory of God because this would be hopefully and the reason why I'm hoping we'll end with kingdom place is I'm hoping that we would view <coughs> 38 Lexton as a kingdom place but also that similar type thinking can go into people's homes a good kingdom place is actually your house so when you're building your house are you building it as if it's a kingdom place um yeah right we need to think about some of these um, type things anyway so that's that's the series as it stands um, obviously a lot more need to be sort of fleshed out um, but things that we're missing questions comments just with the, um, that verse yep there's a lot you can tease out of that because I think creating a Kingdom culture is things like the way we speak, the way we. Are you talking about session two and three or no, five? Even the last one. Kingdom but, place. I mean, it includes all of the sessions as well, but. Yeah. I think things like gossiping, murmuring. Right. So I'm gonna. That's right. So we're gonna push all of that into two and three. Okay. Yeah, because session five needs to talk about. I mean, so two. We're spending two sessions talking about gossiping, murmuring, and the culture, and how we interact, and so that's really important. But I think in because of the season we're in, and we're building a place, some conversation needs to be had on, look, it's all well and good that we're talking about God, and our culture, and our inner, but a place also can carry the presence of God. Yeah, and so that's I think that's the reason why we're trying to talk about kingdom place and part and I don't know whether like my style is I like to balance things out a lot right and so we want to say that the building in and of itself doesn't have any magic properties right but if my people within the building like we can make this place a special place then it becomes almost like a magical place yeah I think maybe it's, magic's the, not the it's more of the atmosphere that the building carries that's right yeah exactly that's what we're and, trying to say uh, I mean some places are haunted they are filled with demons you know yeah. and I remember in Slovakia when we went to hire this uh, old communist hall to run uh, night meeting Roger and I we went there and we found it really oppressive mm. and so we went down to the basement and saw the big pillars and columns that held up the place and so we felt to lay our hands on the pillars to cleanse 
the building of the communist uh, wickedness of communism and the spirit of communism. Mm. And and that night, you know, we had real breakthroughs yeah. in that place. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really believe in cleansing a place. Like when I go yeah. to a hotel, I would I would cleanse the room yeah. when I Yeah. Cause it's yeah. it's things are located on a place. And so I'm very keen for that last session to be very place driven. Yeah, it's not that we won't talk about culture and other things like those are all really important, but place? It's pretty significant. Even in the Bible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, after having heard all of that, would you guys go with... Um, for the cause of the King? God's purpose for our lives? Seek and you shall find. What a tough I know. What would you put as the one line? The first one was pretty good. For the cause of the king, right? Kingdom calling. Kingdom. For the cause of the king. It, it helps you define who that king is or yep. that kingdom. So. Yep. And, and, and really, what is the kingdom of God? It is people under his rule. And under his cause. Like, that's my favorite. Like, yeah, because I the think king. That's, that's good. Because it anchors. Then it allows us to say all these other things. But then everyone's always reminded, oh, it's for the cause of the king, for the cause. Which, to me, is a secret way of saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Maybe kingdom secrets. Kingdom <laughs> mystery. Yeah, the peace of the kingdom. Yeah, the problem is that I want, because the thing is called What's kingdom calling, because it's called kingdom calling, and your tagline has the word kingdom in it again, it's kind of like, too many. it's too many kingdoms. It is. So it's called Kingdom Calling. So one word is kingdom basically. Whether yeah. it's great place or whatever. Yeah. Calling culture. Okay. Yeah, I haven't heard a better alternative yet. I, I, so. I like your that first one. For the cause of the king. Yeah. Okay, okay great. Perfect. Mm-hmm. <laughs> great. It's the same thing. So. <laughs> Can somebody write to Worship Ministry and tell them that we're launching? Okay, thank you. Bye. <laughs>